Terry, thank you choir, and thank all of you for joining in our worship this morning, and so we want to edify the Lord as we, as we worship him. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to uh, the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians uh, chapter 2 this morning. I'm going to be reading out the ESV version. And so let me encourage you to follow along in yours. Uh, whatever version you have, it'll be, uh, it'll be very similar. But I've been studying and reading out the ESV, and uh, it's, it's a good English version to read. I'm going to be sharing with you this morning a sermon entitled, My Life in the Church Connected. My Life in the Church Connected. Sometime back... Uh, Kyle and I were discussing when he finished his teaching on Sunday night on the churches of Revelation, uh, I'd be coming up and I'd be teaching uh, some type of uh, uh, study. And so I really prayed about it, prayed about it, about, about teaching about biblical church membership. Biblical church membership. What does it mean to be a church member? What does the Bible say about being a church member? Been a biblical church member. But I kind of had a little problem teaching that on Sunday night. The reason is we have so few church members present on Sunday night. I thought the best time to do this would be on Sunday morning. And so I want to share a series of sermons entitled My Life in the Church. What does biblical church membership mean? What's involved in that? What is, not what I think it is, not what I've heard it is, but how does God address biblical church membership? Now, before we begin, let me say I just want to thank you for, Judy and I both, we want to thank you and uh, really appreciate and thank you for the 40th anniversary celebration that you gave us uh, last Sunday. That was a total surprise. I, I knew the church was going to, do something as far as we recognize that day, but had no idea what that would be. And we had a fantastic service that morning, and I, I appreciate all of you being here that could come, and special guests that were here, and, and we had a fantastic service, and we had a great reception that afternoon, and then uh, they had this uh, roast thing going on, on on Sunday night. And so... Uh, I think they did more than just roast me. They burnt me pretty good, I think. But anyway, we, it was a hilarious time. It was good, and it was all in uh, good fun. And, and uh, I, I really enjoy the day, and I appreciate all the hard work that went into that. And uh, they had a little problem, though, because um, I was forbidden to say anything. I couldn't say anything during the service, and so I had a little problem with that. But while things were going on, I had an opportunity to sit there and reminisce. And as I begin to think and think of years gone by and things that had happened over the years, I begin to think about the good times and good times of fellowship. And we met in prior to revival. We we met in homes for cottage prayer meetings. And I remember at times there would be uh, over 30, 40, sometimes 50 and more people in someone's house. And we'd meet in the in the in the living room and then we'd divide up and go into bedrooms and the kitchen and have prayer and the youth would go outside and sometimes we'd have three or four or even more people saved at those prayer meetings and that hasn't been that long ago 
And so we had those cottage prayer meetings, and I was thinking, just reminiscing about those cottage prayer meetings and Christmas caroling. I remember going Christmas caroling. We'd go every Christmas, you know, the week before Christmas, and we had to, Rachel, we had to stop going the week before Christmas because all of our choir members would be sick, you know, when we started doing the Christmas musical. And I remember going on one Christmas caroling, and, and uh, so I, I went to two different houses, and, and after everybody sang, someone uh, would, the person lingered around, and not a member of our church, but we just went there to sing, and, and so uh, they asked me if I'd conduct their funeral when they died, and I said, sure. And we went to another house, and everybody loaded up in the car, and I started leaving. They called me to the door, and they asked would I conduct their funeral when they died, and so I told you that I'm going to just go on home because I'm booked up on funerals. I can't sing anymore. But those were just good times when we were together and, and uh, the old brush arbor. Some of you may remember the brush arbor that we built and had a revival service in old-fashioned brush arbor. And then we had rockathons. You know, we'd have rockathons. You may have saw some pictures of rocking chairs in the old nursery. And we'd rock around the clock for Lottie Moon or Annie Armstrong and... and uh, Ongoing rockathons. Nobody stopped. You'd get up, somebody'd keep your rocker going for you. So we had all those memories, and I began to reflect upon those. And great revivals we had, and the lay renewals, and then our first evangelistic training and discipleship training. That was Master Life back in 19, uh, back in 1983, I believe it was. And then we followed up with that with experiencing God, knowing and doing the will of God, and prayer life, and just one after another, and so many people took part in, those, uh, in all of that training. Then I, I thought of the things that God led us to do that some said that couldn't be done, but church was willing to step out uh, by faith and willing to work and, and go toward the, the goal that God had led us to go toward, and, and God worked everything out for us. And for those years, here in those years, God... God added to the church, and so it's just remarkable to go back and remember the times that, uh, those times, and to see God work. Uh, I'd walk through the cemetery, even now, from time to time, and just look at some of the grave markers, and every time I'd see a grave, I can see an impact that that person had on ministry here. They were just faithful, faithful church members, faithful church members serving the Lord. My dad referred to people that were committed to the church and the work of the church. He, com he referred to them as they were good churchmen, good churchmen. And what he was saying in that, he said they, they were just biblical church members. They were doing what God left them here for until he called them home. And so many were faithful to the Lord and so uh, to Christ and and, and to this body, serving and submitting to the Lord, and at the same time, submitting to each other. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Um, I'm not saying that everything was always perfect, and I'm not saying that we didn't have any problems, and I'm not saying that I never made a mistake. That's not what I'm saying, that things would come up from time to time, but we always work through those things, and we continue to love each other, and we continued to, to move on and to go forward. They were great years. Great years. But I'm not going to be stuck in the past. I'm not going to live in the past. I do reflect 
about the past from time to time, but my eyes are not set on the past. My eyes are set on the future. My eyes are set on the vision and what God has for us today and tomorrow and the years to come. Our past was great, but I believe with all my heart that our future can even be greater if we continue to love God and love each other. I want to share a passage of Scripture, and that being from second, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, verse 17. We'll look through verse 21. As we think about my life in the church connected. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 3, I'm sorry, uh, Ephesians 2, I'm sorry, I'm looking at a different Bible. Ephesians 2, verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in the Spirit, uh, in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Just underline that household of God. We're fellow saints and we're members of the household of God. Tom Rainer in his book, I Am a Church Member, shares the following statistical information. I thought it was quite interesting. He said, based on 557 churches from 2004 to 2010, nine out of ten churches were declining or they were growing at the pace slower than their community. 2004 to 2010, nine out of ten churches were declining or they were growing slower than their community was growing. The point being that churches are losing ground today, even in our own backyard. Churches are in decline. Only two-thirds of the builder generation, that's those that were born before 1946, two-thirds of those were Christians. Fifteen percent of millennials are Christians. The millennials are the largest generation born in our history from 1980 to 2000. So the millennials born from 1980 to 2000, the largest generation born in our history, only 15% of those profess to be Christ. We've almost lost, we're told, we're all, we have almost lost an entire generation, the millennials. And Rainer said that we can blame it on culture. He said we can blame it on godless politics or our nation. We can blame it on the churches. We can blame it on uh, hypocritical members, uncaring parents. And after his research, he simply said this. He said, I'm proposing that we as church members simply look into the mirror for the blame. He said, I'm, I'm suggesting that churches across America are weak because many of us church members have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. What does it mean to be a member of a church, a local congregation? What does the Bible say that it should mean? 
And so we see this great decline, and this researcher simply says, I believe it's not all of it, it's not the church, not necessarily the culture. Those do have an impact. But the problem is we have a misunderstanding of what biblical church membership really is. We join our churches expecting, our, expecting others to serve us, to feed us, and to care for us, he says. We don't like hypocrites in the church, but we fail to see our own hypocrisy. You see, he says, God didn't give us local churches to become country clubs where membership means that we have privileges and we have different perks. But he placed us in churches to serve and to care for others and to pray for leaders and to teach and to give. And in some cases even to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rainer goes on to say, Many churches are weak because we have members who have turned the meaning of membership upside down. And so really it's time to become a church member as God intended us to be. And so what today is, if we're really serious as individual as individuals and as a church, and if we're really serious about returning to the Word of God, then we would really strive to say to ourselves and to God, God, what's my role? What's my responsibility as a member of a local congregation, a member of Mountain View Baptist Church? What do you want me to do as a member? It's time to, to give, really, rather than to feel as though that we're entitled. So this morning, the question is simply this. Do you have a biblical concept of church membership? A biblical concept of church membership. Now, in order to be a biblical church member, there are a couple of things I want to mention this morning. First of all, you must have a connection with God. To be a biblical church member, you must connect with God. Now, we stated a couple of weeks ago, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, God's Word says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And so when, when we come into this world, we're in Adam. Now, if you remain in Adam, you remain in your sin. You see, everyone is located today here. You're located either in Adam or you're located in Christ. Now, if you're, if you're in Adam, then you were born in the flesh, you were born in sin. And if you're not in Christ today, you're still in the flesh, you're still in sin. Now, if you've been born again and born in Christ, repented of your sins, turned to Christ for your salvation, born again, then you are divinely placed, nothing you've done of your own, but you will be divinely placed in Christ. That's why God's Word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. In the flesh, in Adam, in sin. In Christ, a new creature. Now, what does that mean? A new creature. Well, you're in Christ, and when you're in Christ, you have a, a new atmosphere. 
you have a new location, you're in Christ, then you have a new atmosphere, things are not the same around you. You have a new position in Christ, you have a new atmosphere in Christ, you should have a new environment in Christ, being in the world, but not of the world, being in the world, but at the same time positionally in Christ. But Paul had a problem with the Corinthian church, if you remember. The performance of the believer didn't match their position in Christ. They said they were in Christ, but they lived as though they were not. And I believe that is the number one excuse I receive for people not attending church or not accepting Christ is that so-and-so's there and I'm just as good as they are. They say they're, they're a Christian. And so what what the problem Paul had then we have today is the position, they say, is in Christ, but their performance is different. And Paul is simply telling the Corinthian church, and he's telling us today, if you're holy, then act like you're holy. But you'll never be a biblical church member apart from being in Christ, being saved, if you will. So this morning, ask yourself, am I truly in Christ? Am I connected to Christ? So in order to be a biblical church member, first you must be in Christ. And your your position, your performance needs to reflect your position if you are in Christ. Number two, to be a biblical church member, jot this down, you must connect to each other. Each other. Now in Ephesians chapter 2, let me give you a little history about the background. Ephesians chapter 2 The Bible simply says that God has made every one of us one in Him. We're in Christ. Regardless if Jew or Gentile, you're in Christ if you know Christ as Lord and Savior. But look at verse 18 and 19. He says, For through Him we both have access, the Jew and the Gentile, for through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Isn't it amazing how you and I have access to the Heavenly Father? I mean, we can talk to God anytime through Christ. Why is that? Because we're in Christ. We have access to the Father. Verse 19, So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household, some translations say, the family of God. So the point is, you have these Jews and these Gentiles, and they have these different backgrounds, and they never had any use for each other, and all of a sudden they found in Christ, they're connected with Christ, but also connected with each other. That was hard for them to understand. That was a foreign concept that they could be connected with each other. They could even be connected with a Samaritan. Foreign concept to them. But let me tell you something. It's a foreign concept to us today too. And so the point being, if you are connected with Christ vertically, then we are to be connected horizontally with Christ, with others. In Christ, connected with Christ, connected with others. So I'm connected to my African-American brothers and sisters. I'm connected to the Hispanic brothers and sisters. I'm connected to the Romanian brothers and sisters. I'm connected to the Nicaragua brothers and sisters. I'm connected with them 
if I'm connected with Christ. Don't say that you're connected with Christ when you refuse to be connected with them. You say, that was foreign concept to them. It's foreign concept to us today also. Now, why does he focus so much on being connected? Well, the reason is that we're being disconnected. You see, we be, we're becoming more and more disconnected. We're becoming more and more disconnected from each other as believers. Uh, we stay in our houses. We don't know our neighbors. We don't know each other as believers. We don't associate that much with our neighbors, with those at work. We just come home, stay at home, stay in the house. We, we're disconnected. And that's why loneliness is a key factor in our society today is because people are being disconnected. Verse 19, notice what he says. He says, listen, we're members of God's household. What does that mean? God's household. That means that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I have a sister, Nancy, only sister. Kyle has a sister, Corey. Corey has a brother, Kyle. I have a brother. Titus, probably one of my youngest brothers. Titus Nix. Chris is my brother. Mike's my brother. Gina's my sister. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. Why is that? Because we're part of a household. Part of a household. And so when you get saved, you connect with God the Father. That's vertically. And then with brothers and sisters. That's horizontally. Do you not like being connected with brothers and sisters? You don't like to associate with brothers and sisters? Have you withdrawn from the family, from your brothers and sisters? God blessing that? He says, no, you're part of the family of God. If you're connected with me. And I found out over the years, you'll never have complete joy in your life until you begin to connect with the household of faith. You'll be miserable. You say, Brother Samuel, what's the purpose of the household of faith? Well, to serve one another and then to submit to one another. Paul told the church at Ephesus, he told the church at Corinth, he told the church at Philippi, submit to each other and serve each other. But Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, go serve me. Go serve one another. If you're last, you're going to be first, and you're going to find great joy in your life. But serving me and serving each other. Connecting with him and connecting with each other. I'm excited about the future of our church. I really am. Mountain View Baptist Church will continue to be a, a church on mission with the Lord Jesus if the people of God will connect with God and connect with each other. That's what's happened in the past. That's what they were willing to do in the past. And I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be willing to do that in the future. Now here's the question today as we wrap up. Are you connected with God? You're in one or two locations. You're in Adam or you're in my prayer today that you'll be in Christ or that you are in Christ. And if you've never been connected, if you've never divinely been placed in Christ, that can happen today if you'd be willing to trust him as Lord and Savior of your life. If you can't place yourself there, 
He has to be placed there by God himself in Christ. And secondly, are you connected with other believers? Are you connected with other believers? Some people say, well, Brother Sammy, I'm part of the universal church. Well, I am too. But the universal church is not ministering to those in my community. God's put a local congregation here to do that. That's what he intends for us to do. In the Bible, you'll see very little of the universal church mentioned. But time and time again, you'll read the pastoral epistles of Paul, and he's speaking to, to the church at Philippi, and he's speaking to the Corinthians church, and he's speaking to the, the church at Ephesus. And you go to the book of Revelation, and you got the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Seven churches, local churches that existed, carrying on the work of the Lord. And so that's what he'd have us do here. The local church is very, very important. Let me ask you this. Are you a Christian? You say, well, yes, I am. Do you have any spiritual gifts? Yes, you do. If you're a Christian, God's blessed you with one or more than one. Well, why did he bless you with those spiritual gifts? For you to minister to the church that it might be edified and built up. That's the local church. And so let me encourage you today. Be connected to him. If you're not already, secondly, be connected with each other and serve each other. We'll serve each other, submit to each other, and carry on the work of ministry until our Lord comes back. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence today and just focus upon what it means to be a church member First of all, that we're connected. Connected with God. Connected with each other. Connected vertically. Connected horizontally. I thank you for my brothers and sisters today in Christ. I thank you, Lord, how they serve and how they reach out to others and minister to others. Lord, how we try to help each other, serve each other, and then reach out to the person X and share the gospel in every, uh, every opportunity that we have. We thank you, Lord, for that privilege that you've given us to be a part of the body of Christ. Lord, in, in this local congregation. Lord, we've been a witness here for 96 years. And those who have gone on before us have been faithful. They've been faithful. They've had that connection with you and with each other. And so, Father, I pray as we look forward to the future, we'd commit in our heart today that we would maintain that connection. Lord, as we serve each other and submit to each other. Thank you for what you've done in the past and what you have in store for the future. Help us, Lord, to remain faithful. One day we stand before you and we can hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant help us to remember lord and use our spiritual gifts and natural abilities as we build up and edify the body of christ thank you lord again for each person here today we pray you'd speak to our hearts as the invitation is given we make this prayer in jesus name